Hang on, hang on. Let's see if this works. All aboard. Megabus to the Ritz. Megabus to the Ritz. Whose seat is this on the Megabus to the Ritz? Do you mind if I sit down? <laughs> there we are. Welcome to episode 12 of Megabus to the Ritz. And here's an interesting fact for you. There's sugar in space. That's right. I've been reading recently a book called The Demon in the Machine by Paul Davis. Uh, it's, it's difficult. It's hard going. But there's a little bit in there where he says, Recently, the sugar glycolhaldehyde, glycolhaldehyde, sugar was discovered in a glass cloud near a star 400 light years away and you know what it's been it's been a very strange week isn't it for the whole world and i think we're all kind of facing similar problems which i will discuss later on in the podcast uh but for me the fact that there's sugar in space (laughs) just knowing that there's sugar in space like if if I, I don't know, something happened and I went into space and my, my space helmet fell up, fell off. Oh, it would fall up, actually. It would fall up, wouldn't it? Um, if my helmet came off in space, at least I would know that the last thing I taste was sweet. And that's helped me a lot this week. But it's, this podcast, like this episode, has, um, it's been a while in the making. I've, had, I've been thinking about doing it. And then I, I guess like I've been putting too much pressure on it, really. Because it's just, you know, it's just coming at such a weird time. And I just wanted to make sure that if I was going to sit down and record something, I wasn't doing it in like a selfish way. Because, you know, my, my wife works for the NHS. She's a nurse. And I didn't want to be like, obviously work is tough for you at the moment. Do you mind if I just sit in the living room on my own and do a podcast about running? So I wanted to make sure that I'm doing this for the right reasons. Um, like I always, I'm always, I'm always doing it for the right reason anyway. But I wanted to be especially sure this week. So um, I'm going to talk about a few things. I'm going to talk about my running two weeks ago, which is really good. I I seem to have a really good week of running. And then last week, kind of the week of the lockdown, things went a bit strange. I I guess like most people, I didn't enjoy my running for a bit. So I I'll discuss why I think that happened. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll take this little nighttime commute together. It is an essential journey, so it's all fine. Don't worry. And um, let's get going. So the week before last, uh, before the lockdown happened, <laughs> I was still going to work. We knew we knew what was coming. We knew that you know the, at any point we were going to get sent home. We'd seen what was happening in Italy and Spain. People were washing their hands more than ever. I've got lots of cuts all over my knuckles. I got I got one on my wrist, which is weird. And I feel like they are you know the people who go to festivals and they leave the wristbands on. <laughs> They go to Glastonbury like once. Or actually, it's not people who go to Glastonbury. It's people usually who go to like the heavier festivals like Download and stuff. You always get someone who is like gone to Download and they will leave a Download wristband on for, for months. And that's what I think my, my Corona cuts are. They, it's like showing that I've in a month's time or something. Or, well, it's going to be more than that. In a couple of months' time, I can say, look, I went to Corona Fest. I survived and all the bands were terrible. All the bands were just coming from their own living rooms and, and playing acoustics. It was disgusting. So yeah, the, the week before last, my running was really well. It was good. Um, I remember going out extra early on a few mornings and I was hunting down Strava segments like some weird whale hunter. But instead of a harpoon, I had 
uh, a Sikoni trainer on each foot. And yeah, there was one on Stations Road called Druggies Dash, <laughs> which I went after. And then there's another one. It was like just before Druggies Dash. And I think it's called You All Ready For It or something. And they basically, You All Ready For It and Druggies Dash line up. There's like maybe like a 50 meter gap between them. So I thought I'm going to go for both of them at the same time. Uh, it was 6.30 in the morning. It was deserted. There was nobody around. And I set off. Like, this is my thing with Strava segments. I think if you're going to go for a Strava segment, you have to do it as part of a run. There's no point, like, taking it easy until you get the segment and going for it. So up until then, I was running, like, at a good pace. But, you know, I set off for these two segments and a plasterer's van pulled out in front of me. <laughs> like a dirty old builder's van. Uh, I tucked him behind him and we just went all the way down Station Road together like a big knife cutting through a fluffy birthday cake. And I just felt so light. It was one of those runs where I just could have kept on going. And the driver of the van was giving me thumbs up in the mirrors and kind of laughing his head off. And it was amazing. It was amazing. And like, I just, at that moment, I thought, I really want running to be as exciting and as bizarre and colourful as this. And then the lockdown happened. You know, while it was nice, being off work and being at home with my wife and my son. Uh, when I went out running, it felt totally different. You know, usually I go out running to, as a form of escape. You know, like it's, I, I go out and I feel more relaxed as a result of it. And that first run on a lockdown was, it was horrific. It was horrible. It was probably the, like mentally the worst I've ever felt on a run. Uh, I did a little video and I put that up online and I think I described it as it was like doing a spacewalk but on earth right I, I've I've never felt so alone when I'm running and usually that's part of the appeal is you you want that time to yourself you know just to just to clear your head get some creative thoughts going on prepare yourself for the day but I I was not prepared for that kind of loneliness it was it was very strange it was as if my bones had been put in a freezer and then put back inside my body I just felt cold all the way through uh and yeah it was I don't know like I I just became painfully aware that the planet just doesn't need us it it became so obvious that I mean there was nobody around it was the first couple of, it was the first day of the lockdown there's nobody around and I just became aware that the planet it's just better off without us in a way. Like squirrels look bigger. I noticed a few rivers and streams. They pulled up chairs and stools and they sat down for a rest. The tarmac was even tensing because it was nervous. And 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 cl and clouds had reclaimed their sky. And it made me think, you know, you know what? Like, <laughs> you could even argue that the only thing that really belongs on this planet are clouds. You could, uh, the, like, these thoughts were going through my mind. It, it was just lonely, and I just any motivation I had to run, it just completely vanished and. That kind of carried on for the next, well, for the rest of the week, really. It's like, you know, I'm usually, I usually get up first thing in the morning, I put my trainers on and I go. And even, you know, even though I didn't have any work, you'd think that I would, I, I would expect myself still still to be eager to get up and go, but I just didn't have that go in me. And it it just got me thinking. It really got me thinking about why I run in the first place. Um, And do you know what? It's, this is, I had such a, just a, a good hard look at myself um, and I realised that the reason I didn't enjoy that first run outside and I'm not afraid to admit it because I think you need to admit 
oh, you need to just face yourself sometimes anyway, just face yourself. And I think maybe like a lot of people will, will agree with this and, and maybe it's true for them. But that first run outside during the lockdown made me feel like I wasn't special. Right? And I know that sounds really selfish, but I just became aware that I didn't matter. Like I just didn't matter. My kilometer splits were meaningless. Like the breeze blowing through the trees had more meaning than my running. And that's, you know, that's it. When, but when, you know, life is normal, and I'm going to work and before the before the coronavirus pandemic, when life was normal, I had I had my own reasons for running, like my own reasons. And that made me feel special. So, you know, like I said, I ran because it cleared my mind before work um, because I'm special like that. I ran because I've lost lots of weight because I'm special like that. I ran because it keeps me off the alcohol and out of trouble because I'm special like that. And it was all these things. I was thinking, all these things I'm doing that are motivating me to run are because I'm treating myself as someone special. It was, it was like these problems are unique to that person. I think, right, if I, I know myself and if I go for a run and I've had a bad day, I won't come home and be tempted to open a bottle of whiskey, right? And it, it's bizarre. You just start thinking, you put yourself in the center of your own movie, um and it's just i think we all run we all run because we've got our own special problems and you know problems that are unique to us and you know if you if you look at lots of runners surely like we've you know we've all got similar problems deep down but deep down we think they belong to us so um yeah it's it's strange like we own those problems and they become part of our very being and and you know therefore the the running we do to chase away those problems also belongs to us. And I think that's the, that's the big thing I realised, that by fixing yourself with running, you feel that you own running. Like, you, you feel like the reason for you, you running belongs to you. Um, you know, it's like you've just created, like, an, an unknown land. Yeah, you know, running is just like you've just created a, a strange landscape that you call running, and we've all just put our own little flags in and claimed as our own. So... And you can you can see that in if you look at race photos and you see all the runners, they're all like their own self-elected ex- explorers in their own self-created wilderness. And each thumbs up and smile at the camera is like the intrepid explorer letting you know they're okay and they're coping just fine with the mental foliage. I'm never sure if that's how you pronounce that word, foliage or foliage. Weeds. Like mental weeds, is you, you you feel like you've made yourself the gardener, and it's up to you to pull out all those weeds that cause you mental distress. Um, so yeah, you know you like you you feel special. You feel special. That's where you run. That's what motivates you. That's what gets you out of bed every morning. Now, what happens if we suddenly take away that? Take away the fact that you've got your own unique problems, and then suddenly slam down on, on the table in front of you. This massive shared problem is you're looking at it and you're like, what is that? That is much bigger than me worrying about my weight. That is much bigger than than me worrying about having a couple of beers on the weekend and being an idiot. Like you know, and trust me, I've been an idiot after beers. I think the last time I went out in Clarity, I ripped a guitar off a wall. That's how much of an idiot I am. And so you've just got this massive problem. We're all sat around this table and this massive problem lands on it and is bothering the whole planet. All of a sudden, like, our problem is a shared one, and our problem is reality. It's like, I can't, I can't get my head around that. You've all, 
you know, we're all motivated by, uh, you know, maybe you're motivated to go to work because you want to buy yourself a car, or you're motivated to do this because you, you want to gain something from it, something little, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things is, is insignificant. But I can't ever remember being faced with actual reality on this scale. You know, I've, I've, had, I've had bailiff's letters for parking fines, that's cool. That's fine. Even but even those don't feel as real as what is facing us right now. And I think, like, how do we react to that? How how do we react to that? It's kind of fascinating to see how we reacted to it. I mean, certainly the first week of lockdown, I was like, while I was struggling with running, I was certainly a lot busier in the house, and I was being a bit more creative, like writing songs with my boy every day. Um, you know, I was reading a lot, and and it's only week two, and I've <laughs> like my running has got better. I'll discuss how I kind of I've, I've forced myself to enjoy my running a bit, but everything else is kind of I'm struggling with it all at the moment. You know, I'm struggling. There's, I haven't written a song this week. I haven't really read a lot this week. It's it's bizarre, and it, like when has this ever happened? <laughs> Apart from during world wars, when have we ever had this massive? issue with reality what's happening around us so i think that's why kind of i lost my motivation for running i think maybe that's why a lot of people lost their motivation is you know like i said your, your own little unique things that you could fix by doing a sub four minute kilometer has now gone because we're all facing some kind of some crisis of reality and i've i've been thinking about this like all week all week and like the the main things that you know, this is causing a lot of people, it's causing a lot of fear uh, and the realisation that we're not so special after all. And I think that, I think that runs deep and I think it's kind of something that people are going to come to terms with the longer this goes on, um, just the feeling of not being, not being unique in your own little world. So, yeah, that's, um, oh, that's quite, a, that's quite a lot, right? That's quite a lot to deal with. Um, but I, I don't want to wrap up on it quite yet. I've, I've got a few more things to say and I've kind of, I've had to write these down because I wanted them, they, like they came to me and I just, I had to write it all down. So uh, for the first time ever really, apart from when I'm reading weird little stories, this is something I've written down and something I think is important. So I'm going to read it to you, okay? And don't worry, I'm still driving the Megabus. It's all cool. Um, I've got like one of these futuristic screens in front of me and this I can read on there. So... I mean, this is, let's just start from here. Another thing that a shared problem throws up is the perfect recipe for negativity. It gives you craving, anger, and confusion. Number one, you crave a return to normality. Not only when the world was normal, but when you knew the importance to your progress of running a sub 20 minute, five kilometer up the path of doom. Number two, it causes anger. Anger because things have been taken away from you. Mostly your own unique problems, but also your freedom and ability to do things like walk into Lidl without a care in the world and waltz over to the bakery section. Number three, confusion. Causes confusion because, well, <laughs> what, like, what the hell is going on? Will this ever be over? That confusion about when this will be over also takes away something which sets us apart from many other animals. The ability to plan and predict what's going to happen in the future. Usually, you're motivated to run because you have a race coming up in three weeks' time and you're putting the graft in now to help you on race day. You're planning for the future. I wake up some mornings and I don't feel too great. I know that if I run, I'll feel good and then less likely to open up a bottle of whiskey on the weekend. I mentioned that earlier. 
sorry, um, without the opportunity to plan for the future, you become weightless. You notice that the wind outside is in fancy dress and you're sat on the sofa in your boxers licking Nutella off a spoon. We're all in a weird place right now and it's absolutely normal to feel lost and unmotivated. We don't know where we are heading. We are without a destination. Take this Megabus for example. If you all got told to sit down without knowing the destination or the duration of the journey, it would feel a lot like a prison and no amount of free fruit shoots. <laughs> I forgot I put that. And no amount of free fruit shoots could help you with that pit of the stomach squeeze of despair. So there we are. We are all on our megabus and the Ritz is closed. We don't have a destination, but we have each other. Reach out and strike up a conversation. Because right now, we are seeing that people and how they interact with each other is more important than ever. Don't see it as a spacewalk on Earth. See this as extreme sport of being careful and considerate. Walk down a path and keep your distance while screaming yes into your GoPro if it makes you feel more heroic. Just know that we're all in this together and the cure to the coronavirus is already out there. The cure is people. And in many ways, that's the same as your own personal problems. You are the problem and you are the answer. Sure, your thoughts are bogging you down and making you negative, but your thoughts are not you. Watch your negativity from a distance as though each thought is a cloud. Watch them move and grow and mingle together. Then get up on your feet, focus on your clean shoes and start jogging away from it all, knowing that far above the clouds there's a comet in space that's covered in sugar and is probably heading right for us. So, how did I get over the, the kind of negativity and the lack of motivation to turn it around this week? And I, I think I have turned it around this week. Um, you know, I ran a lovely 10 kilometer tempo and I was feeling good and like my feet were smiling. One thing I noticed last week that was that I tend to, I somehow seem to like store anxiety in my feet, like like stingy nettles made out of concrete, just just... My, my body felt all right. My mind obviously was a bit sluggish, uh, but my feet, were, that's where the real problem was. So I kind of, I've turned it around. I've turned it around. I ran like like a nice 37 minute, 10 kilometer yesterday and I'm, I'm feeling good about my running again. And and this is what happened. This is what happened. This is how I just suddenly cleared my mind of all the, the anxieties. Right? I, I became aware that if I'm anxious, I'm stressed and unhappy, then that must mean there's a calm part of my brain that isn't feeling any any of those things. So if I suddenly find my thoughts are boiling uncontrollably like water in a kettle, I think of myself as a wise tea bag sat in a mug telling itself that now is the time we finally get to sing. You know, I've had like 80,000 thoughts a minute rushing around inside me this week. Um, they've bogged me down and you know, it's just, it's made stuff difficult. It's made stuff hard. And during like one particularly bad moment of negativity, I suddenly thought to myself, hang on. If I'm aware that these thoughts are negative and are causing me harm, then that must mean there's a part of my brain that's still in control and it's unaffected by all these bad thoughts. In fact, there's a part of my brain that's only thinking about the effect certain thoughts are having on me. It sits there like a shower cap, aware that it's getting wet while the hair underneath stays dry. Um, I close my eyes and focus on that calm part of my brain. I felt inside me like a well-lit room. Um, gradually kind of made my way downstairs like an inner mental staircase the banister really needed a liquor paint by the way and I walked towards that well-lit room I could see the warm orange glow from the door below 
The negative thoughts kept calling me back upstairs, but the light in the room was so inviting. There was nothing I could do. I turned the handle and walked inside. And I... <laughs> I'm going down like Buddhist monk territory here. But I really... just be, I just became aware that just my thoughts and my emotions are two separate things. Like, thoughts will happen no matter what. They will constantly be there. You, you're going to have thoughts. Your brain is like... Your brain's a computer, basically, right? And it's... It's going to be, like, it, it does stuff you're not even aware of, so you always have thoughts there, but you, your thoughts and your emotions are something separate, and by just taking a, just take a step back, what's your thoughts, like, do you, just even acknowledge them, like, you, you you put on Twitter, you, you go on Facebook, you're bombarded by all these, like, like, horrific stories, like, truly horrific news about what's going on in the world at the moment, and it's normal to feel an emotion to that. It's normal to react to, like, like suddenly get this jerk reaction to it. But what you can do is just ignore the thoughts you don't need. So just let those thoughts pass. Um, I read something in a book. What's the book called? Uh, a Monk's Guide to Happiness, which is just there. Um, that, uh, like, your thoughts are just like a busy road. It's busy traffic and just... Just let them, just let the thoughts be, just step away from them. And do you know what? It really did work. And it's something I'm, I'm, I think we all kind of need to be particularly aware of at the moment. Uh, and I'm trying really hard to think like that this week. And it's, you know, it's, it's made me feel a lot more kind of optimistic about my running. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still worried sick about what's going on. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a limit. You can, you can definitely put a limit on how much worry is kind of coming into and that's the thing like you you think that like if you're unhappy you just think oh my god I'm, I'm unhappy because all this stuff is coming into me it's you know all this bad news is coming through from my phone through my face <laughs> into my brain but it's not you know that you've got that calm part of your brain which is always there you've got that happiness like built into you so just know that not everything is coming into you there's you've got more you've got something like this more powerful already inside you and just know that it's it's, it's kind of see your face as a shield <laughs> just protect yourself usually i guess at this this part of the podcast, I do a quick question and answer thing. I've got questions, but I'm going to save those. I'm going to save those because I want this one to stand alone as my my coronavirus issue. Um, I also want it to be kind of like a season two, a start of season two, because, you know, like uh, life got a bit weird in the world. Things got a bit weird for me for one week, so I, I messed up for a week. I couldn't do it. So I've had a bit of a break. I've got myself a theme tune, which... <laughs> <laughs> I recorded uh, the other day. It was that's an old song, isn't it? I used that on an episode before at the end, and I it's just like like a little melody that's stuck with me. So I've I've used it as a theme tune. I've no idea why I'm singing it like a zombie, but it's just one of those things that happens when you record a voice you didn't even know you had just comes out of nowhere. So I'll leave the question and answers until next week. I feel like I've jumped over a hurdle with this episode. It was something that I I kind of felt like I had so much to talk about I didn't know where to start you know it's like I thinking about this episode was was imagining eating me it was like me imagining eating a massive bowl of bolognese and I've just got the whiter shirt in the world on and I don't want to make a mess on it because I'm on a first date I'm on a first date and I've just got this for some reason I've ordered bolognese and it's, it's all gonna go wrong so that's how I felt about this episode so I, I hope 
you don't mind the, the, the splattering of tomato sauce all over my white shirt. It's all cool. We can have a good time after this, right? We'll go out and we'll get drunk together after this. Um, so before I wanted to go, before I wanted to go, before I go, there's one thing I want to just, just say, uh, and that is if there's one thing I'm learning during a lockdown and the events that have led up to it, it's that people really should spend more time listening and believing others. Uh, I understand for that to work, people need to be more honest. You know, take take old Boris Johnson, for example. We know the guy has lied before. For example, you know, we all know about his NHS bus nonsense. Um, and, and all of a sudden we're expected to listen to the guy with no questions asked. And it's, it's a bit like the little boy who cried cough. You know, we maybe would we have gone into lockdown sooner if we trusted the man? I don't know. But anyway, that that's the outside world. And I think if you want to fix what's on the outside, you need to fix what's happening at home first and, you know, inside yourself. So I've taken my first steps towards truly listening to people. Uh, again, like, is, is, this all, is this episode about me be, just being a selfish idiot? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm using this time to... To, to listen to people and I'm starting by listening to my boy Tommy um you know I'm off work my wife is working and Tommy's two years old and he's like 10 two years and 10 months he'd be so angry if he listens to this in 10 years time and realize I got his age wrong yeah he's two years and 10 months and while my wife is in work me and Tommy I spend a lot of time together uh and you know in order to stay positive and creative I've been kind of turning what he says whilst watching cartoons or coloring into songs and the other day I asked him what makes him happy? I was like, hey, Tommy. You know, part of me was thinking this would be a good good lyric for a song. But I said, I said to him, you know, Tommy, what makes you happy? And he said, strawberry, jelly and jam. <laughs> and I was, I was gone. I could not start laughing. I was like, we were outside in the garden. And, you know, just the way he said strawberry, jelly and jam. There wasn't even a pause. I said, what makes you happy? And bam, strawberry, jelly and jam. And we wrote a song. We wrote a song um, based on that as the chorus and everything he said that day. And, you know, despite the words, like, sticking together like mad porridge, as I sung them and recorded them, I felt there was some kind of wisdom in there. It's, it's weird. Uh, you know, like, these these were things that were said by someone who's not even two. And, it, you know, most of it about dinosaurs. A lot of it is about jam. But for some reason, it made sense to me and it, it felt wise and I think the main thing was that I, I kind of saw the world through his eyes and I experienced the benefits of, you know, me and him to get being together all day rather than me being at work. And it was just like a, just a nice, uplifting experience. Um, and I'm going to play you the song we recorded. It's called Jelly and Jam. I might, I think I'll call this podcast episode Jelly and Jam as well. Um, yeah, and I, do you know what? I listen to this song a couple of day, couple of times a day now, and it just makes me so happy. So that's what I want to do. I just want to send you some good vibes. Um, there'll be more running related chat next week but let's just get this issue out there the coronavirus issue um, and this is Jelly and Jam music written by me, I'm 37 lyrics written by Tommy who is not even 3 years old yet Number 1 Dinosaur What do you want to be when you grow up? Pinky Promise Moon and the Earth Yeah. 